Again, those are hypotheticals. Those are some hypotheticals. I don't think we're going to go down those roads right now. Yeah. You know, um, hypothetical. Yeah, I'm not going to get into individual contracts. Uh, again, those, those aren't things that I would speak about here. Yeah, again, another hypothetical. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. You know, I didn't really start preparing for the show today until about five minutes ago. So tonight's show is really going to suck, and uh, it's probably going to form your opinion of me for a long time. It's probably going to taint your opinion of the show and the work that I do. I, I just I didn't feel like it. I, I wanted to waste my day away today doing nothing. And then I rolled into work at about 3.30, and I turned the computer on, and I wrote down like two post-it notes worth of things, and I'm not really ready at all for the show. Even though it starts at 4, I, I just didn't feel like preparing. I mean, I, I figured if baseball could wait to start negotiating until deadline day, then I could wait to start show prepping until five or six minutes before the show starts. This whole baseball thing is so stupid. And the worst part is, I want to read about it, but Jeff Passan writes columns that take an hour and a half to read. Jeff, I'm sorry, I ain't reading that. It's too much, Okay. And I know that a skill that we're losing as we move into the future and we consume more, but we spend less time consuming each thing is we don't read long form pieces. Yeah, I, I know. It's too much, man. It's too much. Shorten it up. I want to read your column. It looked really good. People have been talking about it all day. I just, I, I, I can't do it. Sorry, Jeff. I'm going to read Ken Rosenthal. I'll, I'll come back when you, when you boil down your, your column just a little bit. Looks like we're going to have opening day moved back. Although there was also a report today that said that the owners lose a bunch of money in April anyways when the games were played, so they want to get rid of April baseball, which is what I said last week. They said the owners don't want to start on time. Why would they? They're going to save money. It's just like 2020. This has been baseball talk, and that is all we're going to do today. We're not going to talk about baseball past this little rant on the intro. I did prepare all throughout the day because unlike baseball and the owners and the players, I actually do my job and I do it on time. And I'm a true professional. I won't let the fans down. Baseball fans are being let down. Fans of this show? No, 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 no. No, no, no. They'll be more than satisfied by 6 o'clock tonight. Thank you very much. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you had a great weekend. It was beautiful outside. Makes it easy. I got to do a little fly fishing yesterday. I had both a supper club prime rib and a fish fry this weekend. Eh, Maybe the best weekend in a while. I don't know if anything's going to top that. Got to be outside. Got to get some great food. I watched a little NASCAR yesterday, a little college basketball. Bucks on Saturday. That was a little bit of a bummer. What are you going to do? A lot of regular season games. We're going to talk about the Badgers and the Bucks and even the Packers. We're going to cover a lot of ground tonight before 6 o'clock, and I'm glad you're here to do it with me. You can give me a text or a call at any point during the show, 608-796-2558. You can follow me on Twitter. Tweet me anytime, at Wisco Grant. We're going to do a little Packers. A little. And that Packers window, if you're really here for Packers talk, going to be like 4.30 to 5. Other than that, I want to talk hoops. I want to talk about Badgers basketball, and I want to talk about the Bucks. We're going to do a lot of Bucks stuff in the second half of the show. I want to start with the Badgers because the Badgers have been winning. Bucks have been struggling. So we got to talk about that. I want to go about our Bucks conversation very delicately today. A lot of people are throwing a lot of opinions around on the Bucks, and I'm just like, we need to hey, cool down a little bit. We need to have a discussion about how they're 500 in their last 25 games or so. Absolutely. They're getting whooped in third quarters. They're playing sloppy basketball. Yes, that's a conversation we need to have. But I need to 
be delicate about how we go about it. Because it's going to sound like I'm ringing the alarm bell on the Bucks, which I'm not doing. We just need to have a conversation. That's going to come up in the second half of the show. And because I've had enough Aaron Rodgers for a while, I want to start with the Bucks and the Badgers. Both teams had a wild weekend. Bucks lost their second game in a row, although they were separated by nine days, nine days of the All-Star break. But they lost by three to the Sixers going into the break. They lost by three to the Nets coming out of the break. So two one-possession losses, back-to-back games, both against Eastern Conference rivals. Badgers won at Rutgers, which is not a given. They've struggled playing at Rutgers the last couple of years. But more importantly for the Badgers, Michigan State beat Purdue. That was huge. That was on Saturday. And Ohio State beat Illinois on Thursday. Both of those results, huge for the Badgers' chances. They're now one win away. If they win at Purdue or win at home versus Purdue tomorrow night, then they're Big Ten regular season champs, which is insane considering where they were picked to start this season. For my opening rant today, I want to keep both the Badgers and the Bucks in mind. I want to talk about close games. This is a good topic. This is a great discussion point. Close games can be interpreted in many different ways. It's one of the more ambiguous sports topics, sports concepts out there. Right? Everybody feels a little bit differently about a close game, a game that's decided by one possession. Right? It depends on somebody's background and how they feel. Like if they're a more cynical person, they'll have an opinion on a close game. If they're more an optimistic person, they'll have a different view. Right? It's very ambiguous. And not just in basketball, by the way. We're about to focus on basketball, but even in the NFL. Think of the 2019 Packers. The 2019 Packers went 13-3. and three. And they had a top seed in the NFC first round by, and they made it a game away from the Super Bowl. But all year long, more smart numbers, analytics-based football fans were like, well, they beat the Bears by a touchdown, the Vikings by five. They barely squeaked one out over Joe Flacco and the Broncos, right? They beat the Lions on a last-second field goal. They almost lost to Matt Moore at Arrowhead. They beat Kyle Allen in Carolina on essentially a goal line stand going into the bye. They beat the Washington, then the R-Words, then the football team, now the Commanders. They beat that team by five. They beat the Bears by a touchdown. They beat the Vikings, but they only scored 23 points. And again, beating the Lions in week 17 on a last second field goal. What's good about that team? Where is the amazing win? They had one good win, and it was against Oakland at home pretty early in the year when they were, again, still Oakland. So the 2019 Packers, a great case study in close games and how different people interpret them. Because a lot of Packers fans said, well, they're, they're clutch, right? They're comfortable in close games. They know how to win close games. And then the other half of that argument is, well, they're getting lucky. They're barely squeaking by. So it's an awesome debate. Close games, really interesting topic. Now, the Badgers won by six at Rutgers on Saturday, which fits the possession narrative, right? This, this framework that we keep using. Two possessions or less. So six points or fewer. In games decided by six points or fewer, the Badgers are 14-1 and one this season, which is unreal. That's like a once every 20 years a team will do something like that. We never see teams going 14-1 and one in games decided by two possessions or less. We never see 15 games in a season decided by two possessions or less. That is really rare in and of itself for getting the win-loss record 14-1. and one. Now, fans of the Badgers, myself included, we'd say that's grit. That's a clutch gene. They're experienced, right? They're calm in big moments. They have great leadership. They got stones. They got kahungas. And that's accurate to a degree. You don't go 14 and one 
in games decided by six points or less without possessing some of those traits. A team that's not clutch and not good in in tight games and a team that's not gritty doesn't just fall ass backwards into a lucky 14-1 and record in close games. So this Badgers team does possess those skills, yes, to a degree. But there's also some luck, right? And if you asked a bracketologist that created algorithms and programs to rank teams automatically based on certain variables, they would probably weigh in differently about the Badgers. They would talk about the Badgers differently than us Badgers fans do. Right? If you plug the Badgers into Ken Palm, I couldn't believe it today. I hadn't checked in a while. Wisconsin's 27th. They're behind Boise State, Murray State. They're behind Ohio State, who they've beaten. They're behind Iowa by 12 spots. They're behind Purdue, who they've beaten. They'll play again tomorrow. They're way behind all of these teams that they've beaten. They're really low in the Ken Palm, which is a computer-based numerical judgment system. You take all these variables, and it spits out the results. So when you give this Badgers team to an algorithm or to a computer program, it's going to take in all this information, and it's going to process it, you know, beep, 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 talk like that. And then it's going to say, hold on, hold on. A couple things jumping out to me, right? A really close win over Nichols. A really close win over Illinois State. A really close win over Penn State. A close win over Maryland. Two close wins over Minnesota, right? You barely squeaked by, um, let's see. I mean, Rutgers, they won by six. They're all these close games. Again, 14 wins this season. They're 14 and one in games decided by six points or less. Fans celebrate that. What a gritty team. And that's true to a degree. Numerical computerized algorithms ding the Badgers for that. They said that's luck. And that's also true to a degree. But my opinion, I mean, chalk it up to as much luck as you want. If you win the Big Ten title, which they could do tomorrow, I don't care. I don't care at all. You can tell me they're the luckiest team of all time. They get, to, they get to hang a conference championship banner, so I don't care. And I doubt they do either. So the Badgers in close games have been very good. Now, what about the Bucks? They've lost back-to-back games by three points, and it stings especially because one was to the Sixers and one was to the Nets. And those are two teams. They might see them both in the playoffs. I, I would bet money they'll see at least one. And they lost both by three points. Both at home. Both at full strength. It would be easy to say, as a Bucks fan, oh, it's tough luck. You know, it's a make-or-miss league, and shots just didn't fall in crunch time. Rims were tough, and, you know, it's a make-or-miss league. They didn't hit shots. That's true to a degree, especially in the Philly game. They had a couple great looks in the final two minutes, and they just didn't go down. Giannis made a couple of great passes, a couple of great finds to set up shooters with a great look. Could have decided the game, and they just didn't go. And that happens. Chris Middleton had a great attempt. It literally went halfway down and came back out. He's like, oh, so close. So it is luck to a degree. Again, that's a theme of this segment. Would be easy to say, oh, it's a three-point game. Could have gone either way. No biggie. I, I don't think it's a big deal. Sure. But we need to be consistent about how we discuss basketball and our two basketball teams. We can't say the Badgers are winning all of these close games based on grit and leadership and toughness. They have the clutch gene. And then with the Bucks, who are essentially 500 in their last 25 games, and they're losing some of these close games to really good teams, like the Sixers and the Nets. We can't say the Badgers are all grit, and then the Bucks. well, it's all bad luck. Right? Basketball gods aren't being kind to them. Right? The Badgers do the little things well. They handle themselves in crunch time. Absolutely, 100%. You put a little pressure on them, 
put a little full court press, a little ball pressure, gets tight on the road. No problem. They don't care. We all have, by the way, a friend like this. Um, I'm thinking of my friend group, right? You have the, the funny guy. You have the, you think of all the, the friends in your group. You know that when you do outings, you go to sports games, you do all these different things. You have that one guy in the group who just handles things, orders the Uber, knows where things are, has the tickets saved on their phone. This is my friend, Schwendy. He lives in Milwaukee. I have been on a trip to LA. Schwendy was there. He drove us everywhere. He handled it, never complained about traffic, looked up where things were, and just took care of business. That's what he does. That's who he is. We were in Milwaukee a couple weeks ago for a Bucks game. He had the tickets on his phone. He knew where we could go to breakfast the next day, knew what time we had to get there, knew where to park, right? Just he knows things and handles things. Every friend group has that guy. I've played that role before. It feels a little fake. I can I can fake it, but I'm, I'm no Schwendy. Just thinking of my buddy here who handles everything. The Badgers are that team. It's like, oh, uh, all the, the friends, all the, all the fellas are in Los Angeles for three days and no one knows where anything is and you're just boobing around. Oh, okay, well, he'll handle it. That's the Badgers. Oh, you're going to... You're going to put us on the free throw line on the road in a close game? We'll handle it, right? You're going to full court press us? We'll handle it. Great situationally on defense. They don't have defensive lapses in the last couple of minutes. They force you to take tough shots, and they have three guys in a closing lineup that you love, Brad Davis and Chucky Hepburn and Johnny Davis, and I don't mind Tyler Wall with the ball either. They are handling it in the final two minutes. Like my buddy Schwendy, we all have a friend like that. They just they take care of things. They put you at ease. They make you feel comfortable when you're out of your element or where you're visiting a new city or where you're at a concert or a sporting event. They got it. You don't worry about it. The Bucks have all the talent and they have the championship medal, but their process hasn't been great. And through the slog of an NBA regular season, you, you get lost along the way. You can ebb and flow. You can wander off the path. Right on Saturday, they give up 43 points in the third quarter. They had 14 turnovers. Seven alone by Drew Holiday. That just ain't going to cut it. And they missed 13 free throws. Missing 13 free throws in a game decided by three points? Yeah, that'll, that'll do you in. Yep. The Bucks have all of the pieces and all of the traits to do what the Badgers are doing and succeed in close games and to go up against rivals and strong conference opponents and win even on the road. The Badgers are just executing, right? They're playing up to their potential. The Bucks got some things to figure out. So to summarize, the Badgers are winning close games. The Bucks are losing close games. And we need to think holistically about both teams. We need to realize that, yes, the Badgers have all of the traits necessary to win close games, but they're probably getting a little bit lucky. The Bucks have got a little bit of bad luck. Don't get me wrong, especially against Philly. I think of a couple of those shots that were great looks that just didn't fall. But they also need to get their house in order a little bit. And we need to talk about a couple things that they're doing better. So when you think about the Badgers and think about the Bucks, especially close games, which is such a contentious, ambiguous sports topic, you got to think of both sides of the coin. Yes, as fans, we want to give all of our teams the credit and none of the blame. The truth, as always, lies in the middle. It's a little luck. It's a little skill. It's a little bad luck. It's a little bad process. All of these factors going into both the Badgers' success and the Bucks right now, relative failure. Again, they're 500 in their last month or so. They're not falling off the edge of the world. They just got some things they got to get cleaned up. Keep talking about the Badgers. I want to talk about Chucky Hepburn. What's new? You can join me next if you'd like. Send me a text or give me a call, 608-796-2558. Talking Chucky Hepburn, my favorite guy, coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. 
This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Whether you want to land a mess of bluegills or a trophy pike, learn how to become a better fisherman with WKTY Outdoors. Saturday mornings at 8 on WKTY, 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Going to talk bucks in about an hour going to talk Packers here in about 15 minutes. A few texts on the talk and text line. Wide open. Get at me. 608-796-2558. Couple of texts. Brett in Eau Claire says, Grant, it's been the style of the Badgers for years. Yes, I also think if we're talking about close games, we just need to realize the style that the Badgers play lends itself to playing in close games because they slow it down. They play tough defense. Those games are just going to be compressed. That's how they work. So they're going to play in more close games than a lot of other teams. It doesn't mean they're going to succeed. We've seen Badgers teams that have lost a lot of these close games, too. That's important to remember. Mike and Monona. I wouldn't be surprised if the Badgers lost in the first round of the tournament or went to the Final Four. But, man, I've enjoyed watching this team this year. Job's not done, though. The tournament is a, is a different thing. I want to make this really clear. If they lose in the first or the second round of the tournament, that doesn't mean this team was fraudulent. doesn't mean they underperformed and the whole season was a waste. March Madness is just different. You get there and you you can go home on one tough call. You can go home on one guy getting in foul trouble. It can, it can just all wrap up so quickly. That's why I like the regular season title. I like that that's coveted. I like that people take that seriously. Like divisions in the NBA. No one cares about divisions. No one cares about who in conferences either. I kind of like that that's the thing in college basketball. There's a lot of good teams that lose in the tournament every year. That's just how it works. So if the Badgers lose early on in the tournament, we're not going to turn around and treat this team like a failure. Probably going to get a tough matchup, have a tough day, get some tough luck, and that enough. One of those factors, a tough matchup, a bit of tough luck, a bit of tough shooting, any one of those things individually can send you home. Hector on Alaska. Uh, I'm actually going to save this. This is a Bucks text. So I'm going to get back to this in a little bit. But I know what you're saying, Hector. We're going to talk more about that in the second half of the show. I want to talk about Chucky Hepburn um, because I I don't know, because the day ends in why. I, because I want to talk about him. Like, <laughs> I love him. My favorite take in the last couple of months, I don't remember the first time I said it. I just keep saying it again and again and again. He gets better every game. Every time I watch him, he's a better version of himself. And maybe that's unique to the point guard position because you're learning and you're doing so much. Where a point guard, it's easy to improve because you're gaining more control of the offense. You're gaining more control of the game. You're figuring out spacing and pacing. But Chucky Hepburn gets better every time I watch him. He does something that makes me think, I don't know if I've seen him do that before. Or, oh, it's good to see him take that next step. Right? I thought of him last night while watching Nebraska at Penn State, which is one of the worst college basketball games I've ever seen. Penn State is terrible. Nebraska's terrible, too, and Nebraska was blowing Penn State out. One of their guys was crying on the bench just during a timeout. They were getting beat that bad at home. I'm like, man, why am I watching this? We ended up turning on a movie. We watched The Revenant. Interesting. Interesting film. That can be a different conversation for a different time. I took a picture of a graphic during the game last night. It was on Big Ten Network, and they flashed up four freshman of the year candidates, according to Jess Settles. Here are the four. Bryce McCowan's. 
from Nebraska, who's scoring 16.5 points a game. Max Christie, who's scoring just under 10 points a game, Michigan State. Uh, Malachi Barnum, Ohio State, scoring 12.5 points a game. And then there's Chucky Hepburn, who's scoring just under 8 points a game with about 2.5 assists. And at first glance, it would appear that Chucky really doesn't belong on that list. Certainly doesn't have the volume stats of Bryce McGowan's or Malachi Barnum. Chucky's value and his worth to his team is so much deeper than his scoring or his typical volume stats. Like, he's not going to get close to a triple-double. You give him a couple assists a game, a couple rebounds, a couple of points, and he could have more on any given night, but his value is so much greater than his scoring, right? Nebraska's not very good, all right? Michigan State really hasn't been all that good, although they did get a big win this last week, beat Purdue. Um, Chucky Hepburn's on a good team, and it's really difficult to be a young player Who's trying to fit in? Like, look at the Warriors, right? The Warriors have Jonathan Kaminga. They have James Wiseman, Moody. Like, they have these young guys, and they're expected to come in and fit in and be mature. A lot of good players through the NBA draft are stuck on terrible teams. And it's like, all right, go out, score, do everything. Learn, you know, figure it out. Have a lot of stats. Pile up numbers. But then if you're a great young player and you're on a contending team, your role is a little different. And that's why Chucky Hepburn's numbers aren't crazy jump off the screen. I said to my parents on Saturday night, cause they came down to visit. I said, like, I think Chucky Hepburn might be the best or one of the best Badgers point guards ever when his career is done at Wisconsin. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, Grant, don't disrespect Bronson Koenig like that. No, no, no. I know. I, with all due respect to Bronson Koenig, my guy, Chucky's just that good. And this year is going to set him up perfectly for long-term success, right? I'm going through his game log here and I'm looking what he's scored game by game, and and we'll kind of look at the more recent games. So let's go back to February 8th when they played at Michigan State. Remember, then they won at the Breslin Center. Since then, he scored 11 points, 7 points, 8 points, 10 points, 6 points, 13 points. I believe his season high, let me make sure I don't miss it, his season high is 15. He had that against Marquette four days into the month of December. It was a long time ago. His scoring isn't crazy, The volume stats aren't there, but the role that he plays on this Badgers team and the role that he's learning and figuring out as the season goes along and improving constantly, this role is going to set him up perfectly for long-term success. He doesn't have to score. He can here and there, and he has tough shot-making ability. And in the closing minutes, if Johnny Davis is drawing traffic and Brad Davison's shot isn't falling, they have looked to him, and they probably will continue to look at him here and there for big shots, whether it's a three-pointer and he can shoot off the dribble in the mid-range or getting around the basket too. He's not going to have volume stats. Here and there, he'll chip in buckets, but he's learning all the other parts of being a point guard. And that's so unbelievably valuable. Oh my God. Because next year, Johnny Davis probably isn't going to be here and Brad Davis is not going to be here. So this team now becomes Chucky Hepburn, Tyler Wall, Stephen Crowell. Well, now Hepburn's role looks a little bit different. Now he's going to have to score a bit. And I don't think he's going to be overwhelmed when his usage goes up and his volume goes up because this year he's learning all the ropes of being a Big Ten point guard. How to protect the ball, how to pass the ball, how to get a feel for the offense around you. That's that's the thing a lot of people don't think about with point guards. And this is why Chris Paul is so, so, so underrated through long stretches of his career is because Chris Paul understands when he needs to get somebody involved. Like, let's think of the Suns, right? Hey, Jay Crowder is hot. I'm going to keep looking for him. 
you know what, DeAndre Ayton doesn't have a touch on offense in a while. I'm going to look for him this next possession so he can get a bucket and then get fired up and stay engaged on defense and stay engaged on the offensive and defensive glass. Uh, We haven't got Mikhail Bridges involved in a while. Why don't I look for him off a cut to energize him and to get him going? You're a conductor of an orchestra as a point guard, and you're pointing to the string section and the horns and the pianos in the back, and you're, you're needing to do it all at the right time in the right moment, and that's so hard. That's why freshmen never start. True freshman point guards never start for the Badgers. They don't often start in the Big Ten period because there's so much going on, and Chucky can just focus on being a conductor. He himself doesn't have to pick up an instrument and also play along. Here and there, notes and little sections, but for the whole concert over the course of a game, he doesn't have to be a scorer. He doesn't have to get volume numbers and put up stats. That's so valuable. And I'm so excited for how he will be a better player moving forward because of the experience he's getting on this team and and what he's learning how to do. Jeff Patrikas of the Journal Sentinel tweeted this 19 hours ago. I really like this collection of stats or whatever you want to call this. He tweeted, Badgers freshman Chucky Hepburn had more turnovers than assists in the loss at Illinois. He had three turnovers and two assists. In the seven games since, Hepburn has 65 points, 21 assists, and three turnovers. Seven turnovers. Seven in a span of 232 minutes. He's a conductor. He's conducting the orchestra. He's pointing at the violins when you need to get the violins going. He's looking over at the tuba and say, hey, quiet down a little bit. This isn't your time. Brad Davison, your shot isn't falling. Instead, we're going we're gonna to go down to Tyler Wall. That's been working. Come on, give me more. He's, he's pointing everywhere. He's conducting the show, running the production. And that experience is going to be so, so valuable when next year they need him to conduct the orchestra, but they also need him to pick up an instrument and play along. They're going to need him to score, too, when Johnny Davis is gone. And I can't wait to watch his progression as a player. But for right now, he is everything this team needs, and he's playing his role so beautifully. That's really important in basketball. Understand your role. Execute your role. Chucky Hepburn is reading the room. He knows what the Badgers need from him, and he's doing a 10 out of 10 good job, and he gets better every single game. I'll take your texts on this, and we can chat a little bit, but coming up next, I want to talk a little bit about the Packers, some fun things I want to talk about, an Aaron Rodgers take that came up on the morning show this morning when I was filling in. I think it's a good one, and I want to share it with you. And also, the Badgers are uh, not the Badgers, but the Packers are going abroad. We should talk about that, too, because that's kind of interesting. We'll do that next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. This is the number one Chucky Hepburn show uh, in the country. Uh, in the world. In the world. There's no show that loves Chucky Hepburn like this show. And honestly, there's probably not a show that spends as much time on Johnny Davis as we do, too. And also, you know what? While we're here, this is the number one Bronson Koenig show in the country, too. We're just planting our flag on on all of these different trademarks. A couple of texts to get to here. And remember, you can call as well if you'd like. 608-796-2558. I want to put a pin in this Badgers conversation in the next couple minutes here. But a couple of really good texts to get to. First, Firefighter Greg. He says, I think Devin Harris was better. Oh, yes, he was. I'm just, I'm being a tool. Josh at Sparta says, finally started watching Succession. Thanks for that one. Oh, they got a bunch of SAG awards last night, too. Um, that was fun. Also, love watching Badgers basketball this season. Yes, it's been an absolute, it's been fun. I don't know if there's been a team, at least a Badgers team, that's been this fun. I, I could say that last year's Brewers save 
for a couple weeks here and there were one of the most fun teams I've ever watched, for our local teams at least. Uh, Brian from Eau Claire. I love that you're talking Badgers. Keep it going. I will do a couple minutes. Um, we're going to get to the Bucks in the second half of the show too. Um, and then I'm talking to the other guy about the Revenant. I watched the Revenant last night because Penn State, Nebraska was just... I, that shouldn't have been televised. It should have, it should have taken it off the air. Take it off the air. They get off the TV. That was horrendous. Nebraska's the worst team in the Big Ten, and they were spanking Penn State by 30. Just spanking. It was bad, and it was at Penn State, and I I was trying to watch for the sake of the show, and I'm like, I don't know. Nobody cares if I watch this. I'm going to watch a movie, so we watched The Revenant. I do want to talk about the Packers for a couple of minutes. No Rodgers story. Nothing new there. Thank God. I'm glad. I'm glad. At some point this week, we'll get one, right? We have to. The pattern has been we get a new story. We react to it, and then a day or two later, Rodgers comes out and says that the story is BS. Media. Or whatever. Something like that. I'm glad we don't have to do that, at least today. Maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'm sure it'll happen at some point. I had my buddy slash former colleague slash uh, fellow alumni of UW Lacrosse. Hunter Baumgart was on the morning show today. I was in for Dave Carney. He made a really good point. We got a little bit of a Mexican standoff going on here. It's like that scene from The Office where they all got finger guns pointed at each other and nobody's willing to make a move. The Packers are waiting on Rodgers. Adams is waiting on the Packers. And Aaron Rodgers is waiting on Devontae Adams. So they're all looking around thinking, okay, you know, we got we to gotta start making some decisions here. Which domino is going to go first? Right? Is, is are the Packers going to bring back Adams? Is Rodgers going to say he's coming back? Is Adams going to say he wants out? What, what, who, who moves first? And I think once the first party moves, the rest of this is going to go very, very, very quickly. I thought that was a great point, and it's helped me as I've thought about Aaron Rodgers kind of in the back of my mind today and, and how the next week or two are going to go. We have the combine. We have some deadlines, some franchise tag opportunities for a player like Adams. It just, there's going to be a lot going on, and as we approach some of these opportunities or, or you know, chances for the Packers to make moves— I'm trying to consider what this is going to look like. I'm only going to ask this once today. And I I, I just want to get this out there. I don't even want to talk about Rodgers. I want to talk about how the Packers are going abroad. We're going to talk about that in a minute. I just I want to get this on the record for today's show. Can Rodgers just do whatever he's going to do, right? Now, I'm all for personal choice. Do whatever you want to do. Do it on your schedule. But, but here, here's the thing. This isn't a decision. We've framed this up as the, his decision. When will he make his decision? This, this isn't a decision, all right? He's not retiring. There's no way he's retiring. Give it like a, I give it a 10% chance he retires just to be with Shailene, and then the other 90% is he comes back and plays in Green Bay. There's no decision. Rodgers is coming back, 90%. So why are we wasting time? And why are we playing into this? Well, we need to wait to hear his decision. What is he deciding? There's no decision. He's coming back to play for Green Bay. I guess he just needs to be the one to say it. So can we just say it and just move on? I want to move on with this. Do your weird announcement on the McAfee show or whatever so the Packers can move on, and so can I. That is my one request. That's my only comment on Aaron Rodgers today. I do want to talk about how they're playing in London. Foggy London Town. Is that what they call it? I don't know where that came from playing uh, with the Saints and with the Jaguars and a couple of other teams. It was announced that the Buccaneers are going to play in Munich, which is pretty cool. They're going to Germany. So, and the Cardinals, Mexico City, they announced a couple of teams and where they're playing in 2022 
across the pond or I guess Europe is all across the pond, but especially Britain. Or there's a team playing in Mexico City, assuming they don't mess up the field like they did a couple of years ago. Some of you probably, most of you have probably heard this news by now. I want to play you the audio because it makes me laugh because it's entertaining. Mark Murphy, Larry McCarran talking about the news that Green Bay is going to play in London in 2022. Hey, everybody, Larry McCarron, along with Packers president Mark Murphy. And Mark, big news, the Packers are finally going international. If you have details, please share them. All right. Well, first of all, we're very excited. Um, you know, this is something that uh, I've heard so from so many of our fans over the years, particularly those in Europe. And, and- I lo- Okay, so that makes me laugh. Mark Murphy's like, I've heard from so many fans how desperately they want the Packers to play in Europe. Mostly the fans that live in Europe, but but I do hear from them. <laughs> Nobody really wants this. I guess whatever. It doesn't change my plans. I guess they play early in the morning. Sure. Just the idea that a huge portion of Packers fandom was clamoring for this and have been clamoring for this for years. It's a little funny. Yeah, so many Packers fans tell me they want the team to play in Europe. It's it's mostly the fans that live in Europe, but but they they do tell me and particularly in London. When are you going to come? When are you going to come? We are really excited to be playing in London. We'll be playing in Tottenham Hotspurs Stadium. Not- I believe it's Tottenham, isn't it? And isn't it Hotspur? Over 2 on that, Mark. Not only will our fans in Europe be excited about it, I've also heard from a lot of fans here in the States and certainly in Wisconsin looking forward to seeing us play a game in London. Who is he hearing from? Does he, does he have... Does he take appointments? Do people call him? Who, he's saying he's hearing from so many people. Who's he talking to? He's not talking about the shareholder meeting. I know no one's sending him letters, although maybe I wouldn't put it back Packers fandom. That's something that they would do. Something we would do as a fandom. Am I missing some owner Zoom calls? I need to be on this as an owner. I need to be included. I need to be in the loop. I need to be kept abreast of any and all business moves as an owner of this franchise. I've heard from so many people. Who do you talk to, Mark? Who is telling you these things? You just looking at Twitter? I guess I say that too when I when I say that all these Packers fans are saying. I guess I see it on Twitter. Maybe Mark Murphy's the same way. Do you sense a real excitement from overseas, from the NFL folks over there, that the Green <laughs> Again, Bay? Like, do you sense excitement? What is he? The freaking Dalai Lama? Yoda? He's just meditating all day, feeling out for these things. Packers are playing in London. Can you sense some of that excitement? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this oh, is something oh, yeah. the league office Bet has been talking to us for a long time about. We were, we're the last team uh, to play a, a game internationally, and the fans there are really going to relate well to the Packer organization. And it's a great opportunity for NFL fans in Europe to become more familiar with the Packers and be more likely to come to Lambeau for a game uh, in the future. Opponent and date yet to be determined. But as far as the game goes, is that just all there is? But are there, like, events? Oh, yeah. We'll have Packers everywhere, pep rally. You and I will be doing pep rallies (laughs) all over Europe. Make a lot of money. Certainly in London. And, uh, you know, a number of our coaches uh, have been involved in international games. I know Matt played at least a couple during his coaching career prior to this. So we're working out the details of the travel schedule, but uh, should really be, uh, be exciting for everybody involved with the organization. On that note, football coaches and players to some extent are creatures of habit. (laughs) No. How are they going to handle the change in routine? It is. Well, the one thing you you will probably have the bye the week after, so that makes it a little better. Yeah, well, you know, coaches, you know, you you fly out on Saturday, you play. 
Um, we're still looking at it, but probably probably head out on on Thursday. And um, you know, it's the same for both teams, Larry. So, uh, oh, yeah. it's, uh, but you're right, both coaches are dealing with it. Right. And, uh, right, Mark. Yep. But I think this is this is for everybody. It's really special, and uh, to have an opportunity to travel internationally is pretty exciting. That's true. I've never left the country. Maybe I'll go to this game. Although I don't even like traveling to Lambeau. That's too far. That's a big pain in the butt. You know, you're going through the middle of the state. It's all back roads. I don't want it. Maybe Lambeau. I mean, I'd probably go to London. I'd probably enjoy the trip more. I'd rather fly, what is it, eight hours across the way? Probably, what do we stop in Newark or LaGuardia or one of those fancy airports that you only hear about in movies, and then you go across the pond and it's eight or nine hours. I'd rather do that than drive to Green Bay. I'll be, I'll be honest. I'd rather do that. Never left the country. Maybe I got an effort to go. Uh, maybe we should get some some friends together. I love Mark Murphy. Mark Murphy is one of my favorite people. I think he's the funniest guy ever. Here's why. He does an incredible job of giving you the impression that he's not very smart. And that, he, oh, shucks, I just, you know, I, I run this small town organization. And I, I'm just a simple guy. I, I played football in college, but I'm no businessman. I just, I want to see a good product on the field and make sure these good, honest, hardworking Green Bay Packer fans and owners, they get a good product. That's all I'm here for. Oh, you know, Larry, that's me. Oh, my God, I love it. I love it. He plays a little dumb. He plays a little, you know, simple. I'm an old-fashioned guy. I, you, know, I, you know how much money he makes off of us with this facade? And I don't think it's an acting job. It's just the way he comes across. But if you watch Mark Murphy, you'd be like, that guy's in charge of a football team? He He's the one? He acts as the de facto owner? Yeah, he does such a good job leading you on thinking, there's really not much going on up there, and you know, he's just a you know, small-town boy running a small-town team. Meanwhile, he's raking in money off of you and me. They're selling pieces of paper that don't really mean anything other than that you're an owner, which means everything, but it doesn't get you any value. It's 300 bucks. Here, you stupid idiots, buy more of these. Oh, you already own one? Well, buy one for your kid because we're going to make it seem like we'll never sell again, even though you know we will because it's free money. So we're going to do this stock sale and we're going to make it sound like it's the last one we're ever going to do. And all you suckers are going to buy stocks for your kids because you're addicted and you know you're going to buy it. I, I just think it's hilarious. I think Marf Murphy has this figured out, you know, asking, going to Europe. Oh, I'm just so excited to have a chance to, you know, connect with Packers fans over there. It's about money. You know, that pro shop is going to be packed to the gills with London themed apparel, European hoodies, like special gear that you can only get this year for this game, and they're going to rake money in. And you know what they're going to do with it? They're going to build more seats, and they're going to use those seats to make more money. And they're going to build hotels, and they're going to build things in the Title Down District. They'll probably build another sledding hill, and they're going to be rolling in money. Meanwhile, Packers fans, we don't feel like we're being taken for a ride because Mark Murphy seems like a guy you could just sit down and have a beer with. How could he possibly have any business acumen, and how could he be getting my money? Oh, yes, he does, and he will. Oh, yeah. And I'm not saying he's lying to us or he's being some kind of snake. I just The Packers have nailed this. They have all of us convinced that they're just this small town, you know, mon pop organization. And, you know, things move a little slower in Green Bay. And, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're a simple, we're a simple brand of, of professional sports. No, they're not. Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. They are taking our money in hand over fist. And we will keep giving them money because we know no other way. We're Packers fans slash owners. Both. I'm a fan and an owner. 
Couple of texts here, 608-796-2558. Binks, Binks, you're asking the question. Binks asks, uh, how is it a home game in London? How does the season ticket holder feel? Well, I'm not a season ticket holder, but I, the NFL did a really sneaky job with this because what they did was they expanded the season one game. So every team plays that extra game, might be a home game, might be an away game. Now, last year, the Packers went on the road. They played in Kansas City for that extra game. So in theory, it was their turn this year to get an extra home game, but that home game goes to Europe. So they are being shorted a home game that they should have had, but what the NFL will say is, well, no, 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 you have the same amount of home games you always have. You have eight. Uh, Yeah, yes and no. Yes and no. See, everyone's sneaky. Mark Murphy's sneaky. Roger Goodell and the NFL is sneaky. Everyone is sneaky about how they're doing business. That's why the NFL makes so much money, and that's why baseball's sitting around with their thumbs up their butts right now, not knowing what to do. Let's take a break. We'll talk a little bit more about this. We're going to get back into basketball after 5 o'clock. Also, did you see Mike Zimmer? Did you see that story today? It was pretty wild. Kind of funny, too. I'm not going to lie. We'll talk about that coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Grant Bills. My Twitter is at Wisco Grant, and I just tweeted this kind of as a joke, but the more I think about it, I I, I, I actually kind of believe this. I tweeted, if I'm going to go to a Packers game this season, it honestly seems less tedious to fly to London than it does to drive to Green Bay. If you live on the western side of the state, do you... I mean, this is this is a lie. Like, it's an eight-hour flight to London. It's uh, how many hours for a connecting flight? It's time at an airport. I feel like I would suffer more the three-and-a-half-hour drive through Cranberry Country to drive to Green Bay than I would do suffering in an airport. I like airports. I can sit there and have headphones, and no one bothers me. I'm not doing any work. I'm just chilling. Maybe I can get some overpriced Chick-fil-A. That sounds nice. There's not a Chick-fil-A in La Crosse. Uh, actually, there might be. I think they built one in Onalaska, but it's so far away. It's on the other side of Onalaska. It's, it's a whole ordeal. I honestly think it would be less tedious to fly to London than it would be to drive to Green Bay. And I'm only slightly like 10% kidding. I, I actually think I believe that. Packers, anyways, the, the point of this is they're going to London. Kelly and Barneveld texted in and says, can't wait to see the tailgate high tea parties in London. Yo, what do you mix with tea to get drunk? What do you put in there? Do you mix anything with tea? Like we put whiskey and coffee or brandy and coffee. Is there a tea that gets you drunk? Like we have, uh, what other hot drinks do we have? A Tom and Jerry. Although I realized this last Christmas season, I know a lot of people that had never heard of a Tom and Jerry or had a Tom and Jerry before. That was a little surprising. I kind of felt like the weird one. I, I didn't like that. Is there a hot drink in London that gets you drunk? Tea. I don't think they do coffee over there, which is kind of weird. Tea just kind of tastes like dirt water, but it's warm. So I enjoy drinking it. Yeah. What do they drink at a London tailgate? Really quickly before we get back into basketball, and we'll do that after 5 o'clock, I want to talk more about the Badgers and more about the Bucks, especially the Bucks when we get to around 5.30. But while we're on the NFL, I wanted to mention really quickly, did you see the Mike Zimmer story today from Chad Graff? I'm going to read you this excerpt. Mike Zimmer spent part of his last weeks as Viking head coach bemoaning the team's situation at quarterback. The veteran defensive guru had made more of an effort to get the best of Kirk Cousins in 2021, conducting weekly meetings with the quarterback for the first time in their four years together. 
But toward the end, it became clear to those within the building that the head coach quarterback relationship hadn't blossomed the way many hoped it would before the season, according to sources. I think we all expected Mike Zimmer to blossom. Expecting Mike Zimmer to blossom in anything, it just seems like a, it just seemed like a dumb expectation. Zimmer complained openly in coaching meetings about Cousins, and some of Zimmer's top lieutenants echoed the same sentiment. I love how he called them lieutenants. That's funny. Zimmer didn't feel the quarterback made enough winning plays, that he didn't take the necessary shots to help lead the Vikings to victory, and that he didn't help elevate his teammates. Vikings fans. I have friends that are Vikings fans, and I see a lot of Vikings fans on Twitter. The vibe that I always get, or from a majority of Vikings fans, is that Cousins isn't the problem. The problem was Spielman. The problem was Zimmer. You know, you can have more than one problem. Kirk Cousins isn't that good. He has great moments. He can have great games. You're never getting to a Super Bowl with that guy. I like Kevin O'Connell. I think he will 100% get the best out of Kirk. Absolutely, yes. But every postseason, I hear Vikings fan of saying, well, Kirk Cousins could have done what Matt Stafford did this year. Well, then why doesn't he? Make the playoffs first. Just get there. As a wild card. And I know they did a couple of years ago, but I'm saying like every year, like stop going 500 and not even sniffing the playoffs with the likes of the Bears and the Lions in the NFC North. It's not like Kirk is losing in NFC Championship games here. They consistently, more often than not, miss the playoffs. And Kirk has had a bunch of good coaches. I just think Kirk might kind of suck, guys. And not just in football ways, but Zimmer refused to meet with him for four years. He only started having meetings with Cousins until four years in when he had to. Kirk might just suck. A quarterback's personality is huge. We talked about this with Rodgers. When a quarterback is the brain of the entire team, personality traits matter. Quirks matter. Disposition matters. Cousins is just so passive. When he's asked about certain decisions, or why did you use this timeout here, or why did you guys not go for this fourth down, he always deflects. He says, you'll have to ask Zimmer. I don't make those decisions. Dude, don't tell me, I don't know, I just work here. You're the quarterback of an NFL team. You need to have a little bit more to do with decision-making. You need to be more accountable to decisions and things that's going on with your team. And Kirk has always just seemed to me content to show up, play the game, whatever the result might be, put his stats up, get his paycheck, and that's as far as it needs to go. He's a very savvy businessman. He's done so well for himself. But in terms of winning, Vikings fans, don't think that this is all going to change just because he got rid of Zimmer. Cousins is a huge part of the problem, even if he wasn't the problem this last season. Let's take a break. Bucks and Badgers coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. Again, those are hypotheticals. Those are some hypotheticals. I don't think we're going to go down those roads right now. Again, you know, um, hypothetical. Yeah, I'm not going to get into individual contracts. Uh, again, those, those aren't things that I would speak about here. Yeah, again, another hypothetical. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. This is the Wisco Sports Show. Before we get back into Badgers and Bucks, I got to fire off a couple of takes. We got to go boom, 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 boom. Just kind of address some things that were brought up in the first half of the show. Uh, I said that I watched The Revenant last night for the first time. Not really sure how to feel about it. It was good. I don't know. I got a text here that said, how did DiCaprio get the Oscar over Tom Hardy? He was the better performance. That's a good question. I don't know. The bear attack was brutal. 
Is it because he ate raw meat? I, I just, I'm kind of against giving actors awards just because they went through brutal things for their role. Like, you should get an award because you had the best performance, not because you ate raw buffalo ass meat or whatever. I also asked in the first half of the show, what do you mix with tea to get drunk? Trish says British tailgate might serve Newcastle Brown. Of course, beef eaters gin. Ah, that's a good answer. That's a good, that's a good answer. Uh, put it on some serious kidney pie and fish and chips. Trish, do you do you frequent London? It's pretty in-depth. I'm jealous. Duck with the classic Wisconsin answer. He says just mix everything with Tito's. That, I I like that. That seems like a good idea. And I'm not even that big of a vodka guy. I'm like, yeah, yep, yep, I'd be down for that. Okay, did we cover everything? Okay, I think we did. I think we're all caught up. This is the Wisco Sports Show. Like I said, my name is Grant Bills. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. The talk and text line has been quiet, which always kind of worries me because when the talk and text line is too quiet and we're not getting calls, that means I'm doing something wrong. I'm either saying dumb things, people are tuning out, or maybe I'm too right. Maybe I'm just right and nobody has anything to add. That's uh, <laughs> that's what I'm going to choose to believe. 608-796-2558. You can give me a text or a call at that number. I'd love to talk about whatever. For the next couple of minutes, I want to talk about the Badgers and the Bucks. We're going to do a deep dive into the Bucks at 5.30. We need to get some things out in the open with the Bucks. This this week seems like the week where everyone decided that they're now worried about the Bucks. Every podcast I listened to, every sports show I saw, all of the tweets from all the radio hosts and TV people are like, it's time to worry about the Bucks? Question mark. It's like, did I miss some sort of secret meeting? where we all decided that this was the week we're going to start debuting our anti-Bucks takes? If so, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't see it on my schedule. I'm going to do my own spin on the Bucks concern that's coming up in about a half hour. I want to start with Bucks and Badgers. Both teams had a great weekend. Ah, I shouldn't say great weekend. Interesting weekend. Interesting weekend. Interesting. Not great. Interesting. Bucks lost to the Nets the other night, who were without Kevin Durant and without Ben Simmons. That's the second loss the Bucks have had in a row by three points, both two Eastern Conference rivals. First loss was to the Sixers going into the All-Star break. Next loss was the Nets. Both felt very similar. Both kind of concerning. Badgers won at Rutgers on Saturday. Not a given. Rutgers is a tough place for Wisconsin. They've struggled there the last couple of years. But more importantly, on Thursday, Ohio State beat Illinois and Michigan State beat Purdue. Now, with that win at Rutgers, with some help from Big Ten friends and colleagues, Tom Izzo and whoever, Thad Mata still doesn't coach at Ohio State, does he? Who's coaching Ohio State? I don't even know. They got a little help, and they took care of business at Rutgers. I think between the Bucks and the Badgers, the topic that I've been thinking about today, close games. I'm thinking about close games. What does it mean to win a game by three or to lose a game by three or to lose a game by one or two points? This is such a great topic, right? Because everyone has a different take. If you're a Badger fan and our team wins a close game, it's because they're awesome and they're cool and calm and collected and they're well-coached and they're they're detail-oriented and, and all of these things. Now, if you're an analytics guy, you might say, well, if you win a lot of games by one score, you're lucky. It's luck. It's variance, right? And there's a million different positions on the spectrum of how to interpret a close win or a close loss. Think of the 2019 Packers. People ripped on the 2019 Packers all year long because, yes, they were winning games, and they were having success, but they barely squeaked two games out over the Detroit Lions. They barely squeaked one out over Joe Flacco and the Broncos and Matt Moore and Kyle Allen and the Panthers. And they beat the Washington R-words by five at the time. Like, none of these games were that impressive. 
None of them were that good. And all season long, people are saying, hey, they're winning a lot of close games. Eh, that's, a, that's a concerning sign. Badgers won by six on Saturday. That fits the idea of two possessions or less. That threshold is one we've talked about a lot. The Badgers are now 14-1 and one this season in games decided by six points or less. Now, fans, we say that's grit, clutch gene, experience, stones, leadership, right? And that's accurate to a degree. You don't go 14-1 and one without having some of those traits. But also, is there luck involved? What would the bracketologists say? What did the computer algorithms say? We'll look at that in a minute. First, let's talk to Richie in Eau Claire, 608-796-2558. Richie, welcome. What's going on? Well, hello, sir. I uh, was just going to kind of talk about what you were just talking about there. I I, I like where your head's at. Um, I kind of uh, am of the mindset when you have a team that's been tested or kept close games, whatever, I mean, can they blow a team out? Sure, they probably could. They haven't really had to. But I think all these close games, you know, that's going to prepare you for going into a tournament and – you're going to have close games in this tournament, and they've been there. They've done that. They have won, what did you just say, 14 out of 15 of these games. Yeah. So when they get into the tournament, they're used to it. Yeah. You know, every year there's that team that goes in there as a number one seed, and they've only, you know, maybe lost one or two games all year, and most of their wins they are winning by 20, 25 points, and they haven't really been tested. So then when it comes to a game where they actually have to, to battle at the end of it, they they don't know what to do. So our this team is ready. You know the difference between what you were saying with this Badgers team and and the Packers of a few years ago mm-hmm. is you know the Packers didn't really I, I don't know they didn't really have a great team. I don't yeah. I, I know this is kind of controversial. Whatever. No, I agree with but, you. I know, like, what I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah. And, and they were and they were and they were eking those games out against lesser competition. I guess that's probably where I was going with this more so because in the Big Ten, who is a bad team in the Big Ten? You can list maybe three teams. Exactly. And that's about it. Everybody else in this Big Ten team should be in the tournament. It is such a stacked conference that you it's it's good that you're winning these games. It doesn't matter if you're winning them barely or by 20. If you're going to win if you're winning all of these games, that means something because this conference is stacked. Well, Greg Gardrich, he was asked about this a couple, maybe this is two weeks ago. He's like, well, you guys are winning a lot of close games. Like, why? And Greg Gard kind of, he kind of seemed perplexed. He's like, well, do you see who we play? We play in the Big Ten. Like, what's it? Name us a bad team in the Big Ten. Nebraska's last in the standings, and they beat Penn State by like 30 last night. So we're going to play in close games because all these teams are really good. And I, I think the players and coaches probably understand that. But us on the outside, all these games are so close. Yeah, because all the teams are good. I think we need to remind ourselves of that, like you said. Right. And speaking of Greg Gard, you mentioned Greg Gard. Uh, there was a play the other night, and somebody shared this on Twitter, and I thought it was just absolutely perfect. It said, uh, exhibit A as to why Greg Gard should win Coach of the Year. Yeah. And the ball was brought up by Hepburn, passed to Davis. Davis gives it off to Davison, yada, yada, yada. Everybody on the floor, touched the ball. One of them touched the ball twice, yep. and Davison pr- passes it off to, I think it was Tyler Wall, for a super easy layup. Like, if that is not the quintessential well-coached play, I don't know what is. The ball seems to move pretty well. It doesn't stick with any one person. Now, in late-game possessions, when the defense is really strapped in, maybe they go to Johnny and they let him cook a little bit, but 
At the end of that Minnesota game, I think that's what impressed me the most. And even after Johnny fouled out, I thought Jordan Davis was good at this too. The ball was moving. It was moving around quickly, and it wasn't sticking in any one spot. Right. And and Crowell, I mean, my goodness, the, the way that he stepped up in, in some of these games where teams didn't have a big man, but they had great perimeter, perimeter defenders, and Johnny Davis is, is you know being silenced a little bit, and all of a sudden we just start throwing it down to Crowell, and there isn't a guy in there that could keep him out of the lane. No, monster. Monster Stephen Crowell and Tyler Wall, too. I like that they play at their right. own pace. I like those guys. Yeah, I I, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't want to keep looking forward. You know, I, I, we should just keep enjoying what we have going on now. Yeah. But just think about what we have going forward here, having a, a front court of Wall and Crowell. And, you know, I mean, obviously it needs to be more than just two. And I, I think there's, they've got some other up-and-comers. But, you know, we lose Johnny Davis and Brad Davison on that side of things. But our, our big men, I think we're going to be okay for another year. I think so, too. Richie, I'm going to let you go. But thanks for the call, man. Have an awesome night. You too. Richie in Eau Claire. I appreciate you, Richie. 608-796-2558. I, I like the contrast between Stephen Crowell and Tyler Wall and the play that they play, which is rather slow. Like, you can dump it down in the post. They're going to move pretty slow. But they also have these pieces. Johnny's always cutting. Brad Davison is always cutting to try to get to his spot for a shot. And Chucky Hepburn's always moving. This team can run fast, but then they can also slow it way down if they want to dump it into Crowell or to Tyler Wall. This team can play a lot of different ways. That helps them win in close games. Some of these close games are a little bit more damning. Illinois State and Nichols, they had a close game against Penn State, who's not good. They had two, uh, a one-point game and a six-point game against Minnesota. They're not very good. So maybe they've had a little luck, but this team is also just predisposed to winning close games. And we like that. We're excited about that with the Badgers. With the Bucks, I think it's a little bit different, and I want to talk about them next and kind of hit that angle. But first, I believe this is David who's calling in, 608-796-2558. David, what's going on? It would be David. Yes, sir. Nailed nice it. to talk to you. You too. What's going on? One of these days I'm going to call in as Aaron Rodgers and tell you the reasons why he's worth every penny, Oh God. why we need him back, and why you've been way too hard on him. But that's for another day. <laughs> what I'm calling about today okay. is about the Badgers. It's been a magnificent season. And really, I haven't heard anybody do the contrast between the Greg Guard of this year and the Greg Guard who was that hated coach last year mm-hmm. with all of the 24-year-old seniors and the... Uh, you know, the audio tape and what took place in the locker room. Uh, it can't be the same coach, man. Yeah, I, I, the more I think about last year, don't you think that batch of players was just in, in a tough spot? They played through a pandemic, and I also, like, I don't know. I don't know that I'm crazy about any of those guys. They didn't really get any better over the course of their career, and I think they got ticked, no, and they but, wanted to make but, it Greg Gardner's But the year before, they had a great year. Yeah. That was what was so odd about last year. Anyway, uh, I really just wanted to make one point that yeah. worries me about the Badgers, and that is Perfect. they really play five players. Oh. They only have oh. five serious players. And if any of those five are injured, have COVID issues, or get into serious foul trouble, that could really hurt them in the tournament. I, I don't want to be the... The harbinger of bad news. No, I gotcha. 
but that's my concern because if Crowell is out, that's a real problem. If Johnny is out, of course it's a real problem. Even if Hepburn is out, it's a real problem. If Wall is out, we don't really have backups, and that's, you know, in a tournament game, mm-hmm. uh, one guy in foul trouble could really be serious for us. In the meantime, this has been the most fun year. You know, I've got a friend who was at UMass for the one year that Julius Irving was there. Yeah. Okay, Johnny is not Julius Irving, <laughs> but kind of feels that way. Yeah, he's Julius Irving of the Mississippi Valley Conference here in Lacrosse. No, I, I hear you, and I, you know what? David, even after I let you go here, I'm going to continue to talk about that depth because I think it's a great point. I appreciate the call. I'll let you go, man. Thanks. Yeah, have a good one. That's David. They don't have any depth. They don't have a bench. And this is why when we talk about the tournament, I'm not saying keep your expectations low. But every year, you got to go into the tournament with an open mind, even if you are pulling for a team that's a top seed, even a one seed. The tournament is tough. One thing goes wrong and it all comes to an end. One guy gets in foul trouble. Two guys have a bad shooting night. Uh, A ref has a bad game. You pull a tough matchup. It it could be anything. And all of a sudden your season is done. So I am ahead of time. I'm almost promoting ahead of time. Like, look, let's take it easy with the tournament just a little bit. I'm excited for it. I want to talk about it. We look forward to March Madness. But you can't judge a season really based on tournament success. Like, if they lose in the, the second round, you can't look back and say, well, that was all for nothing. That's just not, that's not really how college basketball works. And it's kind of a bummer way to think about the season because you have all these months of really fun games and fun stories, and then you lose to, I don't know, Texas Christian, and you're like, oh, what a waste. Well, that's just a, that's a bummer of a way to look at sports. Dave is in Monona. Dave, good afternoon. Welcome to the show. What's up? Hey, buddy. Hey, David. There's only one pessimist who calls this show. So get you know, get off my yard and stop being so negative. He he did I'm kind the, of he did kind of say like I don't want to be negative. He, he was just mentioning <laughs> it. You would never you would never go to such lengths. You'll just be outright. Well, negative. first of all, first of all, when you when you start out a comment like that, your comment has no value. <laughs> Me, I just call you an idiot because I mean I know you're an idiot. All right, well, and I appreciate it, that. Um, no, and if, before the Badger comment, the, the Tito thing. If you're not using if you're not using lemonade, you're not a real man. You're a sissy. So it's it's lemonade with the vodka. Come on, I, I mean, like you went to school lacrosse. I made a living off that up there. What are you doing? Ask these people for whatever they're using. Tito's. It's it's lemonade. Tito, you could put Tito's in a lot of things. I was asking about Tito's because they're going to play a game in London, Dave, and I want to know if they have a type of tea that gets you drunk over there. Uh, don't get me started on it. You're right. Before I go, Mark, you're a gentleman about Mark Murphy. It's a money grab because after Friday's stock sale went to hell, and now $50 million out of the local economy. He has cost those, um, all those individuals in that valley, they are going to be irate with him. But anyway, that's, that's for another day. Yeah, Imagine sure. basketball. David, David hit on something. They, they really only have, I, I call it six and a half players. Mm-hmm. But the big thing is they, they currently play under a group of officials who know each individual styles, their, you know what their weaknesses and strengths. When you get to the tournament, though, you you might not get those Big Ten officials. That's my biggest fear. If you don't get a Big Ten official in one of your games, you get some of the Southeastern or whatever, and they call the game different, we're going to be in a lot of trouble because after you get down to six and a half players, 
every time you got to bring in Ben Carlson, oh God, help me, Lord! But <laughs> he's not that, great. That's what's going to kill him. <laughs> I, I think otherwise, if they, if they stay out of foul trouble, this team has shown they can win up. Well, I think it's a damn positive year. It makes me drives me crazy. <laughs> it's okay. I this like team it. Is so I good. like it. This team is so good on the road, and depending on how the brackets turn out, they're, they're going to play in Milwaukee, and then possibly Chicago. You know they got you know, they got they got a shot to get as far as the Bucks. The Bucks stink, like I told you for Saturday night. They stink because of one reason: rim protector. They don't have one until yeah. the big dog gets back. Until the, until the big dog gets back, this team's not going to win. I'm afraid they're, they're going to be out in the second round. Dave, can I can I run a Bucks take by you? A Brook Lopez. I want to talk about Brook Lopez for a second. That's I, his name, Lopez. Yeah, I couldn't think of his name. Tell me, tell me if this makes sense. So Brook didn't play a whole lot for them in the playoffs last year. They liked to go smaller, but I think mm-hmm. over the course of an 80 game season. You just want a dude on your team who's big. Like, Brooke Lopez makes the other team work harder. Like, rebounding is hard, and and finishing at the rim is hard. And even if Brooke doesn't score 20 a night or get a bunch of rebounds, I think there's value in just having a dude on your team that's just big because yes. you make the other team some work harder, games, right? He dominated. Yeah. Some, some of those games, he dominated when he was in there, and teams had to alter their shots, but the Bucks came back. I'm telling you right now, this team, because they, they suck at free throws, this team's got five players. Mm-hmm. After their five players, they don't got a rim protector. And, and who's you know? And you get to play Philadelphia, and you got Atlanta, and God knows you got Brooklyn, you know. And you got the inside game of Miami. They don't play defense inside, and it's gonna suck because I'm a big you know big Bucks fan. But okay, that's enough positivity. That's right. I gotta think of something smart ass. <laughs> well, you know, I really don't. So just I'm gonna have to hang up and. Uh, Pouch. Yeah, have a good night. Don't be miserable the whole night, Dave. Okay, well, there you go. Thank you for the call. That was weirdly one of your more positive calls. 608-796-2558. The Badgers, I think we have a good read on. I said this on the morning show this morning. We got an idea of who the Badgers were in December. And we're like, all right, so they play above their weight class. Johnny Davis is a stud. Chucky Hepburn's really good. And that's just kind of been proven. for the. We, we have the Badgers figured out. The Bucks. I think we need to talk about them with a little more nuance. And I, I don't want to I don't want to make this about me. If you've watched the NBA in detail for any period of time, I think there are certain experiences with other teams that you can look back on from the last decade and apply to the Bucks. I'm gonna try to do that coming up next. The Bucs are not playing well right now. They're five hundred in their last twenty five games. But I think this conversation has to be a delicate we have to go about this the right way. And it's my goal that we can do that coming up next. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you had an excellent weekend. I'm arguing back and forth on the text line with people about The Revenant uh, and takes about that movie, which I watched last night for the first time. Great. You can text and call 608-796-2558, as Josh has done. Josh is in Menominee. Josh, welcome. What's up? Hey, Grant. How are you? I am uh, I'm swell. I had a great weekend, and I feel excited to, at some point this week, absorb another Aaron Rodgers story. I can just feel it coming. Oh, you know it's coming here pretty soon. Yes, it is. Hey. Hey, I wanted to uh, call and follow up. Uh, I re-listened to the Edmund Fitzgerald uh, uh, <laughs> episode.
episode podcast on Sunday. I had a cup of coffee and listened to it, and oh. man, it was just as good. <laughs> I was uh, I was listening to Little Gordon Lightfoot yesterday. Not the wreck. The, the wreck. I need to be in a certain state of mind, which I am most of the time. But I was listening to some of his other stuff on. Uh, it was yesterday morning. Well, I was drinking coffee as well. Funny enough. Hey, there you go. Yeah, I was I was pretty happy that I got that shout out. Uh, I got a little distracted on my Packer take, <laughs> but no, that'll happen. Uh, we're we're um, always distracted. Uh, we'll take on, I guess today we're talking about uh, the Badgers, yep. and I just got to thinking, uh, when you look at close games in football and basketball, I think they're they're completely different. In basketball, there's so many possessions, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, let's say you have 100 possessions. You know, you're, you're going to execute at, you know, whatever, 50, 60, 70 percent. When it comes to football, you know, what do you get? 10, 15 yeah. possessions? So you have to be much more crisp. So if you're playing a lot of close games in football, you know, that's kind of a sign of, you know, weakness or depth. I know you talk a lot about wide receivers and, and depth in all these areas, and that just shows that you're not able to execute at a very high level. And you're, you're giving possessions away, you know, where you see the Packers a lot of times they'll come out that first drive or second drive and they'll run the ball, run the ball, and then just miss a route. Yeah. And then they got a punt, you know, where when it comes to basketball, close games, you know, show that grit where, you know, we're coming into the last minute and a half. Uh, the Badgers have proved that, you know, they'll find a way to get that bucket, you know, hit yeah. that big shot. Uh, you know, it shows more confidence because there's so many more possessions, you know, that you don't have to be perfect. But mm-hmm. they've shown that they're really good down the stretch. And, you know, that play has come tournament time. You know what I noticed on Saturday? You're talking about shot making. I watched them on defense in the final two minutes, and I'm like, God, they're buttoned up. Like, Rutgers had a chance to tie it with a three and they forced them to use the entire shot clock to work the ball around, and they forced them to take the worst, deepest contested three. I'm like, this Badgers defense, when it matters most, can put the screws on you. And I think it starts with Chucky Hepburn. That man can get above any ball screen. He can stick with you on the perimeter. Like, the way they're able to put the screws to a team in the final two minutes, just as impressive, maybe more impressive than their shot making. Right. Yeah, no, totally agree. And uh, Hepburn is a great player. I think you should do some uh, T-shirt or something for your show. And just be like fan club or something. Because, I mean, I, I have no problem listening to you talk about him all the time. He's a great player. Well, I, I'm running out of things to say, but every time I watch him again, he gets a little <laughs> bit better. And, I, you know, I, you notice new things that he's working into his game or you notice new things that he does for the Badgers. I love watching him. Right. Oh. Yep, no, this team's a lot of fun. The only game that that has me worried that could definitely uh, poke up come tournament time is when uh, they just couldn't hit a shot against Illinois. Oh, yeah. And there's just nothing was working. And, you know, they couldn't stop that big guy on, on defense either. But, man, they, I mean, they couldn't buy a bucket there for a stretch. I mean, if they go through cold, you know, stretches like that, like, you know, like any team, they're, you know, probably going to get beat. But, uh, man, they're tough in close games. Yeah, they are. They're just so comfortable, too, and that's going to play in March. Josh, I appreciate the call, man. Yep. Have an awesome night. Thank you. All right. Hey, appreciate it, Grant. Thanks. Yeah, have a good one. That's Josh and I, You know, he brought up football. I, I think when we discuss close games, and I use the 2019 Packers as an example, when we talk about close games, you need to think of the NBA and college basketball as different sports. They're the same. The basketball, it's the same sport, but they're completely and totally different. Right, in college basketball, you're gunning for seeding in the conference tournament, yes, and in the March Madness NCAA tournament, but also you're fighting for a regular season conference title. That doesn't exist in the NBA. You're maybe jostling for seeding just 
a little bit, maybe a little, but not really. The whole regular season for the NBA and for the Bucs, especially for contending teams like the Bucs, it's all one big audition and practice and preparation period for the playoffs. That's all it is. That's all it is. And yes, you need to win enough games to stay in a good seating and to make the playoffs. Absolutely. But it's one big practice period and it's a lot less intense and you need to watch it differently and we need to talk about it differently. And that's what we're going to do coming up next. We need to be careful about how we discuss the Bucks right now because it would be easy to go overboard. Let's talk about the Bucks and this little bit of a slump, struggle, whatever you want to call it. They're struggling right now and we'll talk about that coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. The legend lives on from the Chippewa on down at the big lake they call Gitchagoo. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm back. Back on my BS. I'm also back on the show. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. If you want to text or call, go ahead. 608-796-2558. Super easy and quick to reach me there. I want to talk about the Bucks. It's fascinating to compare the Milwaukee Bucks right now to the Wisconsin Badgers because the Badgers are winning every close game. They're 14-1 and this season in games decided by six points or less. So two possession games, they're killing it. They're 14-1. and I think they're 12-2 and away from home this year. They're winning on the road. They're winning in tough circumstances. Sometimes it's close. It's not always pretty, but they find a way. And Badgers fans, myself included, we say they're gritty. They're tough. They have great leadership. Right? I keep mentioning that they have three guys I love late game. If Johnny's got the ball, I'm happy. If Brad Davison's got the ball, I'm happy. If Chucky Hepburn's got it, I'm happy. I know all those guys have been there before. They're calm, cool, collected customers in the clutch. They can hit big shots, and they all make their free throws. I don't even mind Tyler Wall with the ball. This team's got good options in crunch time. Greg Gard's been there, and this team just plays cool-handed. And I love it. Now, there's also some luck. You got to be a little lucky to win 14 games in one season by six points or less. It's just how it works. Now compare the Badgers to the Bucks, who have lost back-to-back games by six combined points. They've lost each one of their last two games, one to Philly, one to Brooklyn, both by six points, both at home. And the game against Brooklyn, no Kevin Durant, no Ben Simmons. Frank Madden, locked on Bucks, tweeted this. This puts it into perspective how they're struggling. The Bucks are 12 and 12 since January 1st, despite 20, uh, 15 of 24 games being at home. They're closer to the play in than the one seed with the toughest schedule remaining. They'd have to go 10 and 1 in the next 11 to match last year's 46 and 26. That just kind of frames it. Now, I'm not saying the Bucks are bad. I'm not saying that something is wrong with this team. That's not what I'm saying. This Bucks might this Bucks team might win the East in a few months. This Bucks team is very very good, but right now, relative to expectations and For the matchups they're playing and where they're playing these matchups, they should be winning more games. They should beat the Sixers at home. They really should beat the Nets at home, especially when the Nets are minus Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons, and they just offloaded James Harden. Now, the Bucs could still sweep Brooklyn or Philly in the playoffs. I don't think they will, but they could. My point is, things could be very different in a month and a half. Things could be different in a week and a half. 
But right now, things are not going well for the Bucks. Not going great. And recently, they've picked up some bad habits. This is what I want to talk about today. This is what I want to base our Bucks conversation around. Giannis always talks about building good habits. It's the reason I love Giannis. He pays attention to the little details and the process behind success, not just the result, right? He's not just looking at a season saying, well, we didn't win the title. Everything's a failure. Or looking at a season and thinking, well, we won a title. Everything was perfect. Nothing is ever perfect. Nothing is ever flawless. There's always ways to improve. There's always ways to learn. And Giannis looks underneath and looks under the hood and really looks at a season or an individual game to see what makes it tick, right? Talking about building good habits, even in games that they lose. Here's Giannis the other night. We just got to keep playing better, you know, um, keep playing together. Um, at the end of the day, we we got to actually got to build good habits. I'm going to keep saying good habits until the end of the season because that's what it is, you know. Um, today was a game, as I said, that... There was a time that we built good habits. We came back to the game. We moved the ball. We knocked down shots. We got to the free throw line. Uh, we defended really hard. Um, but we got to do that for 48 minutes. You know, we got to do that in third quarter. We got to do it in fourth quarter. Uh, we got to make more baskets than the other team so we can win the game. Um, got to get stops. Uh, but we, it's not just the third quarter and the fourth quarter. You got to do it for 48 minutes. You got to do it throughout the game. For contending teams, of which the Bucks are, the reigning champs, The regular season is really just a long practice period. It's a slog. It's something you need to wade through. It's a work week. You know how you feel on Sunday night when you're lining things up for the week and you're looking at your schedule and you're writing things down and you're getting prepared? That's how opening night of an NBA season feels. It's like, all right, here we go. We're going to navigate the first two months. And then we have a landmark around Christmas where there's the Christmas Day games and then we slog through January. We got the all-star break. And then it's really quick down the stretch from the all-star break to the end of the year because the second, quote-unquote, half of the season is much shorter than the first. So they're planning it out, and they're thinking, okay, we need to manage minutes this way and manage playing time this way. And if your knee is sore, maybe you get a night off here and there. It's a really long practice period for teams that are contending and teams that have championship aspirations or teams like the Bucks that have won championships. It's a lot of time months and weeks for teams to nail down rotations and nail down scheme. But at some point in the regular season, you got to figure it out. You got to get it nailed down. That, that's I, figured out. The Bucks know what they have to do. There's no discovery period. They're not trying things offensively and defensively to see what their strengths are. They know their strengths and weaknesses. They know where they're good and where they're bad. They know for the most part what their rotations are. They need to get it nailed down. They need to get it they need to get it perfected, right? So think of the things that the Bucks have been doing incorrectly. Turnovers. Drew needs to be better. We were talking all the good things about Chucky Hepburn need to be true of Drew Holiday. He needs to feel out the offense around him, realize when one person needs to get the ball, or realize when he needs to take over offensively when he gets a good matchup. I have no doubt that Drew can be way better. He had seven turnovers on Saturday. I can't wait until February. Or, uh, or it's February now, excuse me. I can't wait until March and April as the season goes along to watch how Drew Holiday kind of fine-tunes his playing, especially as players come back from injury, like maybe George Hill or Pat Connaughton. I can't wait to watch Drew Holiday get better and get more dialed in because he needs to, and he can't wait until the playoffs. By that point, it's too late. He needs to get dialed in, and I'm excited to watch him do that, hopefully. Bucks have been terrible in the third quarter. I don't know if that's just an energy and an effort thing. 
One of the first things I remember learning about the NBA when I first started watching 2009, 2010, hearing announcers in the playoffs harp on the third quarter. The best teams do really well in the third quarter. And at the time, I'm like, what the hell? Why? Fourth quarter should be way more important. No, because the third quarter is this great temperature test for how in tune a team is, how connected they are with their coach, how quickly they make adjustments, how they come out of a, a halftime cold and fire back into a game and get a grasp on the game once again after taking a 25-minute break. It's an energy and effort thing. It's a connectedness thing. It's a chemistry thing. It's an organization thing with the coach. Bobby Portis talking about third-quarter struggles. Man, they just kicked our butt in the third quarter. They scored 43 points. I mean, we scored enough just to keep it close, but... I mean, I mean that's been our kryptonite the whole year. I'm kind of just tired of talking about it, bro. I don't know what we can do, what we gonna do. We can, I don't know, man. We've been talking about this since since December, man. In a couple of days, it's gonna be March, so uh, you know we gotta figure that out. It's soon, man. The season about to be over, man. You know the second half of the season goes by extremely fast. We got 21 games left. Essentially, you're gonna play three, four four games a week, so in four weeks, five weeks, the season over, and it's time for the playoffs. So um, don't need to be talking about their quarters in the playoffs. I know that. You can't be waiting for the playoffs to clean up your turnovers. You can't be waiting till the playoffs to figure out whatever issue is bothering them in the third quarter. I just think it's an energy and an effort thing. They won a championship last year. It's still February. Could be wrong. It could be wrong. They're missing a lot of free throws. They're missing easy shots, especially late in the game. They're missing open looks. They're missing looks at the rim, and they're really struggling from the free throw line. They missed 13 on Saturday night. Drew missed an important pair. Giannis, although he's been much better from the free throw line this year, he needs to be better as well. He missed a pair down the stretch on Saturday. Giannis talks about aggression. It's about aggression with these missed shots. Got to be more aggressive. Aggressive. That's pretty much it. Got to be more aggressive. Got to get that hill more. Um, Got to find my teammates more. Just got to make better decisions. Need to be assertive. If I'm going to make this pass, I'm going to make it knowing where the ball is going, and I'm going to do it confidently. Right? Drew Holiday had a couple turnovers the other night where I, I'm not sure he was really fully believing where he was passing the ball. He just kind of passed it to pass it. I'm like, dude, if you're going to pass somewhere, pass with, um, what's the word? Conviction. Yeah. To make it sound way more real life important than it actually is. Pass with conviction. If you're throwing a bounce pass to Chris Middleton, throw that friggin' thing. Get it in there. Don't short arm it like Rogers to Aaron Jones. Like, I'm going to throw it out there, but I don't want to overthrow him. So I'm going to underthrow him. Like, no. Zip that thing in there. Be aggressive. Be intentional. Be decisive about everything. Every single thing. Aggression. If you're going to make mistakes, make mistakes of aggression. Don't make mistakes of omission. Don't make mistakes because you're you know, you're going to soft toss the ball in there. You're playing scared. Be aggressive. Turnovers are a matter of the game. They come from being aggressive. If they're aggressive turnovers, they're okay. Now, I'm not going to take a stance here and say the Bucks are going to be fine. Or say uh, they look for a second round loss to the Heat. Nothing is decided yet. There's so much regular season left. And Giannis agrees with me. Or I guess more specifically, I I prob I agree with Giannis probably. We don't know if we're gonna be fine. We don't know if we're gonna be good. We don't know if we're gonna be bad. Like we don't we don't know. We can't predict the future. Um but we I think today's game, obviously we went down 13, 14, whatever the case might be, but we fought all the way through. Guys did not put the head down, kept coming, kept playing uh together, kept moving the ball, kept 
defending hard and rebound the ball, um, knocking down shots. Uh, you know that's that's uh, that's good. You know uh, we didn't we didn't we didn't give up. Uh, we played for 48 minutes. Didn't went away. We missed a lot of free throws. We didn't execute down the stretch as well. Um, and I was able to win the game, but um, leaving this game, obviously, you have a bad taste in your mouth. But I know that we did some good things that we can carry over to the next game. Uh, but if we're going to be good, uh, in 20 games from now, in 30 games from now, whatever the case might be, May, June, we don't know. You know, you don't know. Um, I don't know. So, but at the end of the day, we just got to, you know, Keep our head down, keep staying hungry and humble, and um, keep building good habits, and hopefully we can be good. This is what's cool about the NBA, and it's really the case of every sports league. Right now, we think that the Heat might have a great shot at coming out of the East, or the Sixers. The Sixers are the new hot item, right? Joel Embiid and James Harden are on this little honeymoon period. It's great, and we'll see what happens with Ben Simmons. Give it three weeks. Give it six weeks, right? And I would bet money that things feel different. Maybe not for the Bucks. Maybe not for the Sixers, but some things will feel different, right? Things will change. And that's why I love how Giannis approaches this. He's like, I don't know if we're going to be okay. I don't know if we're going to get hot. I don't know if we're going to be able to flip a switch. I I don't know. And Giannis, through admitting that, is basically saying, this isn't predetermined, all right? We got work to do for the next month and a half, right? It's our goal. It should be our objective to figure these things out and to be better. I can't guarantee that we will. I don't know. That's up to us. That's up to the work that we do. And a lot of people last year faulted Giannis. What did he say? He's like, I don't know if the playoffs are going to be different this year. I, I don't know. We'll have to see. And people are like, well, that's, you know, that's not a very confident way to approach it. it. It's not about confidence. Giannis, through how he approaches the unknown, the future of the unknown, also is an admission that this is kind of in our control. You know what I mean? If someone asked me, where are you going to be living in a year or two years? It would be silly to say, well, I'm going to be here because I don't know that. That's not predetermined. It's up to me. Those are decisions that I make, just like in basketball. About flipping a switch or, or figuring out the turnover issue or the third quarters. That They are in control of that. There's a lot of time to get work done. So to say that the Bucks are worth you know, worry and they're not going to make it out of the East. They're not going to get through the second round. You don't know that. Nobody knows that. Things are going to feel different in two weeks or three weeks or a month. So let's watch it play out. They got the Hornets tonight. This week is going to be nuts. They got Phoenix next weekend. They got a lot of good teams that they got to play. They got Chicago this week. So this week is going to be a great test. And you can't say that the Bucs don't have motivation to play up to their competition. It's not like they're playing the Pistons. They better come out ready to fire this week or they're going to get blown out. And these are teams that they're going to need to play and beat in the playoffs. So the Bucs have plenty of reason to get it going this week. Let's see if they do. They start with Charlotte tonight. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show, talk Little Bucks, Little Badgers, and kind of put a cap on everything we've mentioned today. That's coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. segment of the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Tonight's been fun. Covered a lot of ground with the Badgers and the Bucks. Little Packers as well. The movie The Revenant also came up. I quit watching Nebraska Penn State last night. Although, watching paint dry would have been better than that. But me and my roommate threw on The Revenant. And I have, I have mixed feelings. It was awesome. The fight scenes were awesome. There's a lot of space. And the scenery was beautiful. I just... 
you know, two and a half hours of scenery. It's, it's, it's a lot of scenery. My coworker texted into the show. He's listening in another studio. And he says, I saw The Revenant hours after the Blair Walsh missed field goal. That's my relationship with The Revenant. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I get that. Because Packers fans, if you think of all these playoff losses, you can remember exactly where you were for all of them. You knew who you were with, what you were sitting. In some instances, I remember what I was eating. Just brutal. I watched The Revenant hours after the Blair Walsh missed field goal. That's my relationship with The Revenant. That's that's brutal. That made me laugh. If you have any last-second thoughts, give me a text or a call, 608-796-2558. The talk and text line, Twitter, at Wisco Grant. I got one more take about the Bucks, and this is just something to think about, something to chew on, because I'm not sure if I believe this or not. Talking about how the Bucks need to get better at this and that and get buttoned up here and there. And I don't think it's worth worrying about this, Badgers. Do you know I'm worried about them? I'm concerned. Well, don't. That's a waste of time. They have a month and a half to get dialed in, to tweak and to figure out all of these different things they need to improve on and get ready for the playoffs. They got time. And it's not as simple as flipping a switch, but I think that's a lot of times how we abbreviate it. Can a team flip a switch? I think whether or not you believe the Bucs can get this on the tracks and be okay and go on a playoff run again probably tells me what you think of Giannis. Because LeBron, doesn't matter what happened in the regular season. His teams were ready to go, and he showed out and elevated one in the playoffs. Same with Jordan. Only the best players ever can flip a switch of a team that's underperforming in the regular season to get into playoff mode and to go. And if you think the Bucs can do that, I think it speaks volumes to what you think of Giannis. I love Giannis, and I think he's really, really good. I don't know on this front, on the flip the switch front. Let's talk really quickly before the show ends to FedEx Fred. Fred, welcome. What's up? Hey, Grant. Uh, I heard you this morning on the morning show oh. on my way into work. And I heard, you were great. Oh, thank you. I, I loved your, thank you, I loved your uh, appearances there all last weekend today. This morning was a nice surprise to hear you on. Oh, thank you. Uh, but I, you were talking about baseball for about a hot five minutes, and then you said you were done with it. Yeah. And I was going to – I tried calling in – on that show, but I was too late. Uh, baseball has lost a fan in me, and that was my favorite sport to watch. And I think you said it best last uh, this morning. It's now happened two out of the last three years of these negotiations. And I get it. People deserve to get compensated mm-hmm. for, for doing a job. But at a certain point, it is the easiest sport to field and do something with. Like yeah. you said, all you need is a ball, a stick, and four bases. Yep, that's it. It's simple. That's it. It's simple. And these owners and these players are doing a great job of deterring fans from, A, wanting to go to a ballpark anymore, yeah. and, B, sit at home for five and a half hours to watch a baseball game. What I don't get is and, why, are they, why are they overthinking this? Why are they making this more complicated than it needs to be? That's what bugs me. That's... I think that's the million-dollar question that everybody has asked for every labor negotiation in baseball. It's so weird. And to me, yeah. No, go ahead. I catch up. To me, it's it's annoying. And then to, uh, I just heard your take on the Bucks and the Badgers. Yeah. I don't know if Giannis is that player that can turn it or turn flip the switch. Yeah. In playoff mode. Because I don't think anybody else on that team has it. He might be though. I we keep underestimating how great Giannis is, and I. I mean, would you be shocked if they get into the playoffs and then Giannis just cranks it up and everyone follows him? I wouldn't be shocked. 
No, I wouldn't be shocked, but I'm not. I'm not 100 percent positive he can do it. Yeah. No, you can't. You can't bank on that. They they got a lot of things they need to improve before the end of the season. They can't just bank on Giannis lifting everyone up when the playoffs start. Yes, you can't expect a 40 points a night game out of Giannis every night in the playoffs. No, you just can't. No, not until the finals. And then the ba- <laughs> Yeah, not until the finals. And then the Badgers. I don't know what to say about this team, but holy cow, what a team! Yeah, being being projected to finish tenth. In the, in the conference to having sole possession of first place with two games left. I don't know how you don't give Greg Gard coach of the year, and that's it. Yeah, I'm with you there. Fred, I got to go, but I appreciate you getting in here at the last second. Thanks for the call. Thank you, and have a great day. Yeah, have a good night. That's FedEx Fred, 608-796-2558. Tomorrow, probably talk about the Bucks. They play tonight. This will be an interesting test. If they come out and look great, that would be a great step in the right direction. More on the Badgers as they will chase a Big Ten title tomorrow night, too. That'll be fun to talk about. Wisco Sports Show back tomorrow at 4. Can't wait to talk to you then.